Some men are born in the wrong century. I think I was born on the wrong continent. This ain't Dodge City. And you ain't Bill Hickok. Hello, and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Forth. He's Edwin the brother. She's Megan the sister. And today, we are talking about... Quigley Down Under. Quigley Down Under is a marvelous film made in 1990. It has Tom Selleck, Laura Giacomo, and Alan Rickman as actors. And today, we're going to be talking about why you should watch it, and uh, specifically, healing through compassion. And just why we like to watch it. Yeah, we've seen it so many times. I don't know why we like it so much. So maybe we'll we'll explore why we like it so much. Yes. So do you want to start off by giving us a summary of, of the plot? I is I feel kind of weird talking about a movie and we can't show you anything that we're talking about. So we're going to try to describe things well. If you haven't seen it, it's going to make a lot more sense if you go watch it. Yeah. But hopefully if you haven't seen it, you're going to be curious and then you're going to be watching it looking for the point that we're talking about. Hopefully we just don't turn you away from it. That's the goal because it is a very good movie. So go out and watch it, but you're going to give us a summary. Yeah, and this isn't like just a movie review. This We're going to try to pull out some themes and we're also going to try to do it succinctly. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck that. with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so a little synopsis on the plot is American sharpshooter Matthew Quigley responds to an ad to uh, what it seems like just do pest control on an Australian ranch. And what ends up happening is that pest control turns to be uh, Alan Rickman's, uh, the bad the bad character. He plays such great evil people. Yeah. Uh, His character is um, Elliot Marsden. Elliot Marsden. So Marsden wants to eradicate the natives, the aborigines. So Quigley doesn't take hold of that he doesn't hold cotton with that so he um ends up fighting with marsden they have a more than just a, a disagreement a donnybrook yeah donnybrook although i think that's well, it turns into a donnybrook real quick and general Maylee. Maylee? Maylee? i don't know how to say Mil-you? that word <laughs> no <I didn't> th- <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite word i just get to throw that in Mil-you. but he ends up lost in the desert with the other main character, Crazy Cora. And Crazy Cora is crazy um, due to a lot of past trauma, we yep. find out. Yeah, so we're going to talk about her a lot today. And ultimately, Quigley fights and he wins. And that is, is, is the general plot, but that's, that's the, the, the basically the scene is set quickly comes off the yeah. boat and all that adventure takes place afterwards yeah so it's it's a western but set in australia and so it's so instead of like a spaghetti western it's like a kangaroo western <laughs> yeah yep yeah so who is matthew quickly and why is he just so dang likable yeah and are you trying to go after his look with his hair 
I I feel like you have a total quickly look going on right now. I have. I just I just don't have only the mustache and the little goatee That's thing true. going for me. I mean, I'm just kind of all bushy and shaggy yeah. right now. But no, I feel like the hair is really working for you. Thank you. It's very it's very quickly. Yeah, and I I, I can thankfully restrain it with some of. Uh, Ducks Never Waver's fine products. It's true. It's true. Yeah, you it's... can buy a handkerchief and yep. use it as a do-rag because they're... Bandana. N- bandana. Yep. yep. Looks quite fetching on you. Thank you. Yes. So, yeah, Matthew Matthew Quigley. He is a sharp shooter. He is a master craftsman. Like, he is... In his skill of long-range shooting. Yep. He is proficient. He has a unique tool, right? Yep. Um... And he has a very clear sense of, of like moral code. He has a very clear like sense of what's right or wrong. And you see that immediately on the boat when there's this very obnoxious man pushing these these elderly people aside and he swiftly deals with it. But he doesn't make a big fuss mm-hmm. about it. No. Like he's just very much and then and then the old lady is apologizing to Quigley and he's like, Don't worry, ma'am. Just spoke to the man, found out he's not in that big a rush anyways. So he's just doing this, like he's always looking out for the weaker, the... Yeah, like he's, but, but he's, he's not looking out for, he just sees wrong and corrects it. Like yeah, he, he, but res- he just, yeah, he's just right away like just going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, the next scene after that we meet... Crazy Cora. Crazy Cora. And she sees quickly and right away starts calling him Roy. We don't know why. She just says, oh, I know you. You're Roy. Mm-hmm. So glad you came. And he's like, what is going on? He steps right into the middle of these guys loading up a wagon full of prostitutes to bring to their ranch. He doesn't know them. It's not like he's going to interfere with that. But all of a sudden, crazy Cora is clinging to him. Say, don't let them take, take me, Roy. Yeah. So he's very confused. And yet he makes the decision to protect her mm-hmm. and say, no, she's not going with you guys. And then there's a fight that ensues, but, and she's always causing trouble. And that's the thing with Cora. Quigley is so patient with her. Like she causes a lot of problems for him. Yeah. But he's not deterred. He's like, I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, the first time you view it, um, you don't really like her right away. Per se, no. You, usually, you're like, she's crazy. No, exactly. She she's calling him this this name, and she's you know thinking that he is her husband, and so she's acting that way. And he's like, I don't even know you. Why are you clinging to me? This is really weird. Mm-hmm. And she just doesn't let it go. But uh, turns out those guys that he was fighting at the beginning ends up being his ride to Marsden's ranch. So he has to just put everything aside. He goes with them. Cora goes with them. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the big thing that I, I love about this movie is that Quigley deals with Cora with compassion. And I think that is really reveals who Quigley is. Like, like we've said, he stands up for the elderly people. He stands up for Cora and also for the Aborigines. Because when he's there, right... At Marsden's ranch, and Marsden's like, yeah, actually, we want you to kill all the Aborigines. That's when he's like, no way. We're not doing that. That's right. No, he, he has that, that moral code right away. He's not like, 
he's not a reluctant hero per se. I mean, he wasn't looking to get into anything though either. Mm-hmm. He he was just gonna do a job. Yeah. So I mean, there's also that aspect where he's just the professional. Yeah, and I, what I find interesting about this movie is that quickly is very clearly the hero, and I think the he he's the type of hero where it's he has a job to do, and he sticks to his values, and he goes against the tide of evil. Like he's kind of the voice of reality. He is the one bringing order. But then you also have Cora who ends up also in her own right being a hero because she has a whole story of redemption and she changes the most. She does. Uh, One thing I like to look at movies is see who changes the most. And a lot of times you'll be surprised that sometimes what we we think originally is the hero in terms of change is not necessarily the hero. Right. And a lot of times you can you can tell who the hero is by how much they change. Like they go on this this journey, this arc and then they're changed at the end of it. So it's, I think it's really cool that you have both standard kinds of heroes in one movie. Yeah. Divided in this really powerhouse team. Like Tom Selleck and Laura San Giacomo together. It's those scenes are just so good. Yeah. Like, watching them act together, and their characters are so well-written. So they're so equal in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you have Quigley has more screen time, probably, but even not by that much. Like, yeah. it's, it's such a shared movie, which I think makes it unique. Mm-hmm. And, and like you are saying, like, the, the fact that Cora is the one who who ends up changing the most, and Almost in a way, you're rooting for her just as much as for Quigley. Yeah. I mean, for me at least, you trust Quigley. You know what I mean? Like, you know it's going to be tough for him, but you trust that he's going to manage and he's going to be on top. But you're more concerned about Cora. Right. How is is Cora going to. And is she going to repeat history? Exactly. So. I think it's really interesting that how you how you have both heroes. Yeah. In one movie. Should we like have like the classic we're talking about a movie, so spoilers, you're gonna talk about the the movie. I yeah, good point. <laughs> we are yeah, are we going to I guess we are gonna have to spoil the big scene. What's well, the big scene? Well, yeah. the big scene with Cora. Yeah. But there's a lot of big scenes. Yeah, I sorry people. This is just gonna be but you, you, I watch movie reviews on YouTube, and it's spoilers, and it's I'm fine with it. But some people, you know. Some people, okay. Some you, people's kids. Some people, you can leave. Goodbye. The rest of you, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, also when you're talking about uh, the hero of Quigley, it's interesting that he's a long-range sharpshooter. I think you're taking. Like there's so many things that are interesting in that, and and the, thematically, like he's when you shoot long range, you have to have patience. So everything is is um is literally a a long shot too. So like it might not work out. So you have to have faith, and you're a long distance away. So you have like this detachment. You see everything. There's actually one scene where he's back, like the um at the camp where the Aboriginals were. Who are helping them, and then all of a sudden they're attacked. Well, Cora 
doesn't have this detachment that he's fostered. And she just goes running in to the fray. And he's like, don't do that. You could have been more help here because he has this, this bird's eye view, right? And he can see what has to be done. Yeah. So there, there's kind of those... Yeah, and like you were saying, the patience. He is one of the most patient movie characters. Like, where, like, you actually show him being patient. Yeah. Like, the very first time that he, he shoots, he's doing, like, this tryout because Marston wants to see his stuff. And just how he waits for the rider to, to bring that bucket far enough away. Yeah. And how slowly he sets everything up. And Marsden is going crazy. Yeah. Right? Because you see his, like, his anxiety, like, come on, just do it. Yeah. And Quigley's just so patient. And he's just so slow. And that's, I think, really what's cool. Because he's not about the quick drawing gun. Mm-hmm. Right? He has a slow, slower tool. Like, it takes yeah. longer to set up the shot. But he's incredibly accurate and incredibly good. So I, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think of a character where you get to see his patience yeah. on screen. The whole, what tool do you use? Do you, do you use the, the slow, long-range, almost more permanent solution uh, that quickly has with his rifle? Or are you like Marsden with the quick draw, the flashiness and the, mm. yeah. Yeah. And then also how you... Well, I think Marston, he's all about the show. Yeah. Right? Like, he's all about the, I guess, like, the bravado. Like, the, you know, look at me. I'm the quickest draw. Whereas Quigley is very much downplaying his role. Yeah. He's like, don't don't look at me, really. And Marston's all about the show. Yeah. And Marston really wants to be a big shot. Yeah. You know, he says that he was born in the wrong continent. Yeah. Uh, some men are born in the wrong century. I was born on the wrong continent because he wanted to be like Wild Bill Hickok. Yes. Or so that's the so that's the interesting thing, and I I think we should get into this because um, we touched on a little bit how Quigley is detached, but Quigley also is reality because he's in the middle of these two characters. You have Marsden, and Marsden is as crazy and delusional as Cora is. And both with past trauma, right? Because exactly. his his parents were killed by Aboriginals. So his idea is to create this wild west where you're killing the Indians, but because it's Australia, it's the Aborigines. He wants to have the quick draw. He wants to have all the gun gun shows, and so that's his delusion, right? Like that's what he's trying to create this reality mm-hmm. because of that past trauma that his his family was killed by the Aborigines. Whereas with Cora, her trauma is that Indians attacked her house. And, but they didn't really. But they didn't really. They were drunk, but she got scared. And because her child started crying, she smothered her child. Mm-hmm. And her husband put her on the boat to Australia and never said a word. Basically sold her. Just, yeah, sold her and had done with her. So they both have these intense family traumas. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting to see that both of them are delusional, though, because, like, Marston keeps trying to play this role of, of being an antagonistic just to get a certain reaction. Like, he wants everything to be Dodge City. Right? When he first, you know, talks yeah. to Quigley, he's like, so, so, how was Dodge City? Did you, you know, was it gunfights everywhere in the streets and... No, it must have been crazy and wild. And Quigley's like, nah, it was... 
a really good night's sleep. Yeah. You know, because that time has passed, right? This is this is kind of like the close of the American West, and Australia is the new frontier. But Marsden wants that to happen in Australia. Yeah. No, and, and now we're talking about Marsden a little bit and just how Rickman plays him. He can play villains well because, like, the, the fact of the matter is movies are as much dependent upon a good villain as they are a good hero. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it would not be the same movie without him. Right. His theory, I think it, this was when he was interviewed for Die Hard, but his theory for playing a villain was make every scene about you. So pretend that you are the main character. Yeah. Don't say, oh, I'm, a, I'm the villain. But you think about it. Like, yeah. if you're a villain... Yeah, everything's you, about you. Everything's about you. And you don't you don't walk around all day like, oh, I'm the villain and the hero's going to get me. You yeah. think about, like, I want to get what I want and I'm going to get it. I don't think you necessarily think, like, you may know that what you're doing is wrong, but I don't think you go around thinking, I'm the villain and here's my counterpoint coming yeah. to destroy me. You don't think that. So no. he makes every scene about him. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm the main, main guy. I mean, even, I don't know if you've seen the Harry Potter movies. But I think that's why his Severus Snape is so amazing, is that every time he's on, it's all about him. It's not a Harry Potter movie, it's a Severus Snape movie. Yeah. And that's what makes those but, and performances. But then that's Snape's character, too. It is. It right? is. So it totally works. And even though Snape is, like, more of a distorted villain, yeah, um, it makes it such a powerful performance and so memorable. He just blows everyone out of the water because it's about him. And he yeah. knows how to make a scene about him. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting because almost heroes have to do the opposite thing, right? Because the movie's already about them, yes. right? So if they're if they play a scene, if an actor who's the hero plays a scene like it's all about me, it kind of comes off a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But whereas if they just downplay it, well, that was John Wayne's thing. Yeah. So John Wayne in Red River had this big scene with Montgomery Cliff, right? Yeah. And Montgomery Cliff is like, oh, I am going to steal this from him. He was totally having a competition with Wayne. He's like, I'm going to steal this big scene from him. And everybody's going to think I'm the best actor after this scene. And Wayne just brought everything down to, like, it just, he outquieted him. He got all the looks right. He just, by being the most subtle and the most quiet, yeah, he just snatched that scene away from him. And Cliff was so pissed afterwards, apparently. I, I think that's funny because I think uh, Quigley does that a little bit, too. There's a little bit of where Selleck has to, because Marsden is the one who's it's all about me and loud and brash and bold. And, like, no one's going to throw me out of this house and so on, mm-hmm. my own house. Yep. And then the character of Quigley is just, just real quiet. Yes. He yeah. doesn't say, come in and get me if you can. Or he's he doesn't just, say he, anything. No. The only thing you hear is him tipping the table over. Because yeah. he's, just, he's just hunkering down. He's like, okay, I got this. He's just, again, like yeah. that scene is so, you see that he's cool as a cucumber. Because there's Marston screaming outside his house. Yeah. Don't get him. Like, you know, it's so funny, though. Of course, he gets kicked out of his own house. And it's like, and it's like they're, all his henchmen are going to run in and get quickly. I was like, no, no, no. No man throws me out of my own house. So, of course, he goes running back in there and gets thrown out again. And he goes, don't just stand there, you idiot. Go in there and kill him. It's just Marston can't. He needs to have all these henchmen behind him. Yeah. Right? Whereas Quigley is a one-man show. 
But it's interesting because, of course, Marsden only keeps people with him for money and because of the power he holds over them, mm-hmm. right? And so people aren't really loyal to him, right? And yeah. whereas Quigley doesn't do anything to get people loyal to him, and people keep like coming around on the Cora and then the baby and then the yeah. the um the guy who who makes the bolts he's, for him. He's and, a community builder, yeah. And he's kind of he takes all the broken pieces of community and he's the glue. Yeah. Um, right, like we said, like Cora has is, is crazy, and then later on, there's um, a bunch of Aborigines are killed by Marsden's men, but there's a baby that survives, so he takes in the baby, he and Cora. So again, it's like their own. He's like he's building a family, it's like he's building a community. So again, I think that family idea that he and Cora and the baby kind of make this weird family unit. Yeah. That he's in charge of, again, that's part of what heals Cora, right? Because she had a family trauma. Yeah. Then it's kind of, she gets that rebuilding. Redeem, that rebuilding. That starting over. And then she has a scene where basically the, the Indians attack. I mean, it, it is it is one for one. Um, yeah, what happens. Yeah. yeah. What happened to her previously, she gets a one for one. And I don't think, like, in real life, we get redemption like that. No. Not necessarily. But I think there are times where, um, I don't know, I like the saying that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. And this is one of those things where it, it rhymes for her and she sees it as her past trauma and she yeah. has to make a choice. Is she going to break the cycle or is it going to happen again? Mm-hmm. I love how Cora is written. I I don't really know very much about, you know, the actual, like, psychology of you know what Cora would be diagnosed with or anything like that oh or how someone with her actual condition would be in real life okay but what I love what they do in the movie is that it's not a one-time fix right so she she's delusional but she has moments where she is in reality yes it's not all the time and in in that big scene where she kind of breaks And then she finally is able to tell Quigley what actually happened. Mm -hmm. The very next morning, she's back in her delusion. She thinks that he's Roy. And, you know, that's what her's like, oh, the Johnsons are always like that. Even though, like, the Johnsons aren't there. It's the Aborigines. Yeah. So she's not... It's very gradual. And I love how it's written where she's in and she's out. Yeah. And because of that... Again, Quigley has to be this rock of reality. Because sometimes he's like, wait, just like three seconds ago, you knew who I was. And yeah. now now what? Like what? But what's so good about Quigley is that he is so kind and compassionate to her, right? But it doesn't mean he doesn't have boundaries. It's not that he's just nice. Yeah. He draws a line at, we will not have a relationship. We, you know, you may not talk to me unless you call me. Matthew. Matthew. My name is Matthew. You do not call me Roy. Yeah. He doesn't give in to her fantasies. No. He doesn't pretend like, oh, she's just crazy. I'll just pretend to be Roy and make her happy. Right? Like, just let her know what's the harm. You're right. But he's like, no, my name is Matthew. You have to call me that. Yeah. And I think that's hard for people dealing with people with um, either mental struggles or health struggles. All right, what are those boundaries? Like, how do you be compassionate but also have boundaries? And I think that comes to, to Quigley is just, like, what what's right and what's true. 
he's yeah he's not going to feed into her lie yeah he will help her he will be nice to her but he's not going to feed into the lie but no just how she goes back in and out and then at the very end that she's whole again but i, I love how she's written that she just keeps going in and out of her delusion yeah. Whereas Marston, actually, I find he's more in it all the time. You don't get to see Marston. He just gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, he just escalates. Whereas Cora slowly breaks down. You kind of see she gets more rooted and more grounded. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marston, he just escalates. And he just keeps getting wilder and wilder. Until the last scene when he's so so crazy and he wants the Dodge City Wild West uh things so badly that even though he has quickly under his thumb mm-hmm. he's one yeah he sets up a mock sh- gun down yeah and, and if the thing is is that is fake too because he has quickly at a complete disadvantage disadvantage right because yep. there's not like two men you know in dueling, hell, it, dueling out. it out he's like no he's beaten quickly like physically yeah <laughs> uh and you know nobody very few people take a beating quite as well as Tom Selleck. I know. It's, it's Tom Selleck impressive. and Clint Eastwood probably take the most beatings in movies. Yeah, it's really good. So he's, yeah, again, staging this thing. He's making it fake. Mm-hmm. It's because he's just, he wants to win and live out his fantasy. Yes. That's all it is. But backing up before that, before Quigley really goes after Marsden, there's this scene in the town which is just great, like, with the town burning. But to me, I, I just recently watched Errol Flynn's Dodge City. Okay. And because this movie, Marston has such an obsession with Dodge City, I thought it was kind of interesting, the connections. So in, er- like, Errol Flynn's character, he doesn't take action. Like, he's just, again, kind of walking around the fights. He's mm-hmm. trying just to be calm and not feed into anything. But then this little boy is killed because of the bad guy's men. Right. And that's when Errol Flynn is like, okay, this is... this is I Too, mu- too, too much, much innocence is being affected. Exactly. It's not just my life being yeah. affected. It's other people's lives. And there's a very similar scene in Quigley Down Under. Quigley is in this town getting supplies, and he meets this really kind immigrant family. And because of Marston's men shooting up the town, there's fires getting started, people are getting hit, and... A stray bullet. A stray bullet hits the mother of this family he just met. And that's when Quigley's like, okay, you tell Marsden that I'm coming. It's kind of like a tombstone scene. Yeah. You know? You tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting, that tie to Dodge City. Because Marsden's like getting closer and closer to actually creating a Dodge City. Right? We're in this town now. Yeah, it's burning. It's burning. There's these stray bullets flying everywhere just people don't know what's happening they're trying to run to safety and then there's just these people shooting in the midst of everything so marston's almost getting his way and then quickly as the voice of reason and reality is like no we need to stop this yeah and so he does just just that simple Mm -hmm. i think another fun thing about this movie just because it's australian is they have like the british army yeah, it's very. Just, it's, just, it's just, it's not. Yeah, it's just. Uh, it's not a major component to the movie, but yeah. the, at the same time, there's, as Americans and Australians, we can all equally hate the British. Yeah, so it's, it bashes on the British, which is is some fun scenes there. Yeah. 
And I'll say another thing that I, I think makes this movie last for me is, is the music. Mm-hmm. The music is so vibrant and adds a lot, like just a strong, strong oboe theme. And it in, in enhances and never distracts from the scene. Yeah, it really adds to the drama. Like I think of that one scene when he's riding hard to get to the town. Yeah. How much the music adds to that, to the energy. I think that's what the music really adds to it is the yeah. whole energy. Well, if you think about it, like Westerns can quickly become dull because you're trying to show that they're in this immense space and they have to travel long distances on horseback. And it's just like... It's tough. It's tough because yeah. cinematically, like, you can only watch a horse trot for so long. Yeah, but they do a really good job. They do um, do things where they have him riding and because he's riding through trees the trees because the the camera's focused on him the trees look like they're moving past faster than he is yeah so that's a really good way to add movement but again the, the music adds the emotion because you really because you can't really see what he's feeling <laughs> yeah on the horse yeah but with the music you really get the emotion that he's kind of panicked because he's worried about leaving Cora and the baby alone he knows there's yeah. lots of dangers. There's, you know, dingoes and there's Marsden's men. You never know when they're going to pop up. He knows that they're close to starving because they have no food left. So he's just like racing hard to get supplies and to get back to them. Right. And it really builds the tension. It does. So any final thoughts on what you think makes Quigley Down Under a really good film? I think it's just partly it's really well written. And it's, it's really, it's, it's got funny, it's got emotion, it's got drama. It's, it totally submerses you and suspends your disbelief, right? Mm, mm-hmm. Because most movies aren't realistic in the sense that that's actually how it would happen in the real world. Right. So th- right away they have to suspend your disbelief. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's amazing how I think it's funny because people more and more are like, oh, that's not realistic in movies. And yet the most popular movies are the ones that are the biggest stretch for suspending your disbelief. They're like the Marvel movies. Like they have to like suspend your disbelief. <laughs> really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they even do. If they do. But yeah. and that's a little bit living out of fantasy a little sure. bit. Sure. But that's a Subject for a different time after we watch all the Marvel movies. <laughs> we'll see you in thirty years. Um, oh, no, and I, I, but I, yeah, quickly does feel very, very human. Yes, and very real. Yeah, and because because the characters are people you've you've met or dealt with in some some way, right? And all the people around I them. Know, I don't think I've ever met a Cora, but. I don't know. Like, in ta- some are way. Are you talking about, like, how everyone has delusions that they hang on yes. to? Okay, that, that makes sense. I don't think to the extent, like, where, where no, no, no. horror is very much... Well, that's what movies do, right? They abstract yeah, they, stuff. Exactly. And they amplify to mm-hmm. show you their point, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then all the surrounding characters are, are real characters, right? Yeah. Like, th- there's cowards, and there's people mm-hmm. who are money-grubby, and there's people who like to inflict pain but can't stand having pain inflicted upon them. Yeah. All those kind of things. I would say that the least, and I think this is done on purpose, but the Aborigines are very mystical. Yes. In this, which I think the the idea is that Cora and Quigley are more accepting 
and that, that they get healing from the Aborigines. I don't know. Like, there's like a spiritual healing yeah. in that. Yeah, the Aborigines are... There's no one character for them. No, it's, it's just this whole... And they're always, and they're always kind of like, kind of the last scene always shows you like what their role is kind of to be there, but not be there. Right. There's like, like you said, that spiritual mysticism almost. Yeah. At the very end, the the British army comes up on Quigley after Quigley's killed all of Marsden's guys and Marsden. What's Quigley going to do? He's going to be arrested by the, the British, but then all around them, all of a sudden the Aborigines pop up yeah it's gotta it's gotta be like some sort of spiritual and they they call they call quick what did they call him like the 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 spirit spirit warrior the spirit warrior so there's definitely this spirituality idea yeah with 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 quigley go watch it and tell us what you think tell us what you think i just think what when you're when you're watching it look at how quigley is in the middle of marston and cora and how so when like Cora can be redeemed and Marsden is is beyond it that he because he's seeking to to destroy that's his delusion is to destroy and to kill whereas Cora's delusion is she's trying to put her family back together right right because she's like oh you're Roy you're my husband I want to put our family back together I want to fix it yeah whereas Marsden's like no you killed my family I'm going to kill you so there's there's that distinction where where one is not able to be redeemed. Be redeemed. All right. Well, thank you for spending some time with us. We hope you go watch Quigley Down Under. It's a really fun film. That way you can watch it and just tell us we we're completely wrong. Exactly. We would love to hear that. <laughs> in a kind and yeah, gentle way. In a thoughtful way. <laughs> we hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this year's podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky, my friends. I want you to spearhead this thing. Why? Because you're good at it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Don't <laughs> insult me. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a compliment? Okay. Um, so then, so do you want to start with why we like it? Or should we just, I thought we'd just have you do the, a plot synopsis. A plot synopsis. Yeah. Okay. Summary. What's better, summary or synopsis? Synopsis. Synopsis. <laughs> what would you prefer? What yeah. Would? I will be doing a synopsis on Quigley Down Under. <laughs> in, that, in that accent. Okay. Down okay. Under. So it's going to be like... Um, down Under. I hope I can say it properly. Down down Under. Down Under. <laughs> Good eye, mate. Good eye. Okay, so I have terrible accents. Okay, so it's going to be... 
Sorry. So let's do. So what is it going to be? It's going to be like this ain't this ain't Dodge City, and you ain't Bill Hickok, right? Yeah. And then I'll say. <laughs>